Hello and good day, magnificent podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet that you're doing fantastic. And I'm sending all of my love, good wishes, positive vibes and energy to you, your family, your friends, wishing you all of the best. We have got an amazing episode of the show for you today. We have Kingsley L. Dennison, and we are talking about uh, unified cosmos, life and purpose. He is an author, sociologist, researcher. He's uh, published over 15 books, a truly extraordinary mind and person. And in this episode, we talk on so many uh, big topics that are really important. So we talk about exploring consciousness, um, why all life is fundamentally spiritual, source, origin, creator, and synonyms, uh, why intention is crucial, behind material being the energetics, uh, being participatory in the cosmos, uh, the what are we talking about? Jeez, there's so many notes I'm going through here. Uh, the distractions from going back to the eternal, uh, conditioning, why, how to break out of reality, neuroplasticity, uh, neuromarketing, which I'd never even actually heard about, uh, the three C's, communication, trying to understand evil, and so much more. The, the show notes on this are, are uh, very deep. You can see them on YouTube and on Odyssey and on Rockfin and all the places. Um, so they gave me my content back on YouTube, which is great, but I'd advise you guys to go over to Odyssey and use that as much as you can just to uh, kind of not participate in the evils as much as possible. Um, if you want to support this show, please share it as far and as wide as you can. That's the only way it's getting out there. So share it um, in messages, in text messages, on your socials, everywhere you can on the alternative sources. Do anything you can to spread the message. That would be incredibly, uh, I'd be grateful for that. Uh, leave a review on iTunes, uh, become a member, mattbelair.com and join the membership by donation or even for free if you need. There's no problem at all. Just send me an email, matt at zenathlete.com and I will happily give you that for free. And also check out Soul Compass and the Quantum Heart Hypnosis Audios. They are incredibly powerful. And, um, I'm still selling the quantum heart hypnosis stuff for 97 bucks. If you can't afford that, send me an email. I'll give you, I'll let you pay what you want. They're incredibly powerful. It goes into life purpose, overcoming fear, developing courage, all the things that all humans deal with. There's a, there's a hypnosis for that. And it's the most powerful ones that I'm aware of. Not because I've created them just because I'm using the frame of the heart and hypnosis doesn't usually do that. They use the frame of the mind, but the frame of the heart is so much more powerful. So you have ones on abundance in there and uh, anything that you need to level up. Also, for those of you guys who are interested in com uh, connecting with like-minded community and you want support and you want training and tools to know and live your life purpose, to make an impact here, to leave a legacy and overcome limiting beliefs and self-sabotage and all the things that hold you back, um, check out the Atomic Alchemy Coaching Group. That is exactly what that is designed to do uh, with training, with coaching, with support, everything you need to uh, live an optimal life, learn about peak performance, leaving a legacy um, and navigating like each and every day with peace and so applying those spiritual principles as well. So if that that sounds good to you. Hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com or go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. There is something for everyone over there who resonates with that message. It's incredibly powerful and uh, would even invite you to a client call, <laughs> even invite you to a client call as my guest if it's something that resonates with you and you want to check it out. So would love to hear from you. And um, yeah, you can hit me up in, in any way you can. Uh, thank you to my sponsor, uh, Pure Body Extra Heavy Metal Detox, which is incredibly important. Um, there's metal 
oils and absolutely everything. And this heavy metal detox is a truly phenomenal product. And you can get a bottle just for 13 bucks as a special offer to my audience by going to thegoodinside.com forward slash Matt B, M-A-T-T-B, and get that bottle to try it out. Um, I use that with their green drinks every day and it is very, very helpful because uh, I'm not great at eating my vegetables and having a great diet, but having the super greens with the heavy metal detox and I also use an apple cider vinegar, um, I'm noticing a, a change in energy and clarity um, and it's something that I'm putting into my diet every day. It's just like working out. If you do it once, it doesn't really work. So this is a simple and powerful protocol for me to have a, a cleansing uh, nutrition in my diet. So you can check that out. Uh, find me on uh, Telegram. That's where I'm posting most of my information because I'm still uh, overcoming censorship and all that kind of nonsense. So go to t.me forward slash Matt Belair. And yeah, if you want to reach out for me to me for any reason, just Matt at zenathlete.com. I would love to hear from you. So thank you so much for listening. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, fulfillment, power, connection, faith, and get ready to enjoy this phenomenal episode with Kingsley L. Dennis. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming massive censorship. If you want to support this show, please do what you can to share the episodes far and wide. Uh, join the email list or the community because they've also deleted Patreon and episodes. So if you want to make sure you get every episode, go to mattbelair.com and uh, sign up for the membership. Um, but most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is a sociologist, researcher, and writer. He previously worked in the sociology department at Lancaster University. He is the author of over 15 books, including his newest, Unified, Cosmos, Life, Purpose, Communicating with the Unified Source Field and How This Can Guide Our Lives. Welcome to the show, Kingsley Dennis. Hello, Matt. Uh, great to be here. Um, first time speaking with you, so I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Uh, my friend, you know, I've heard your name in the ether before. And then uh, my friend is like, hey, have you seen this book? You know, she read the book and she loved it. Uh, I started to look at what you've done and, and all the books you've written, pretty much everyone I want to read and dive into. And so um, I'm just excited to have you on the show and, and go into a variety of different topics. But why don't you give the audience who's unfamiliar with your work a little bit about uh, your background and, and what you do today? Yeah, sure. I'll try and give it in a nutshell. Um I suppose the first 15 years or so of my life was uh, spent traveling, after university, that is. And like, uh, like many people, there were questions of what is life, you know, what is the purpose, you know, what do I want from life because I didn't have a career in mind. So I went traveling. And then to support my traveling, I went into uh, teaching. And then I trained uh, to be an educator and a teacher. And then really I was working in uh, first in Europe, in, in uh, Central Europe, in, in Czech Republic. I spent uh, five years or so in Istanbul, in Turkey. I traveled around the uh, uh, Middle East and different areas. And then I came to a point whereby, wow, the world really is changing. So I thought, well, why don't I go back into study and study sociology so I could better figure out the world? And so I did so. I went back to the UK. I was uh, a I suppose in my early 30s by that time, 
And then I did a doctorate in, in sociology. But the question always on my mind was not so much the physical structures, but uh, how people's thinking patterns, how human consciousness affects our lives. Because I've been seeing, you know, I've been living in different cultures, experiencing different perspectives, and the world was changing so much, especially at that time, we were in the middle of like what they call globalization. Um, but I was interested in technologies as well, how technologies brought people together. So I went back, I, I um, did my, let's say, groundwork. I worked in sociology, I, I lectured in sociology, and um, I did my doctorate in complex systems. And how complex systems using technologies can bring people together in non-linear ways. But then the central question was, these are the physical structures. This is the hardware. How does the software affect us and our connections? And I was getting more and more interested in human consciousness. But of course, um, university and that kind of academia couldn't really incorporate where I wanted to go. Um, so eventually I jumped ship. I decided to leave my career at university, even though it was going on a good on a good curve. I, I decided to, to leave, and literally, I left. I left England with one bag of clothes and one laptop computer, and I took myself to Andalusia, southern Spain. I found myself a wonderful part of the world there, a nice corner of Andalusia. I sat down, and for the last twelve years, I was writing books, trying to figure out what's going on in the world and and how can we kind of understand it and that brought me to where I am now so that is uh, I guess in a nutshell my my life so far well I love it and we we share the similar passion of trying to understand uh consciousness you know consciousness life purpose the meaning of life and how our consciousness can shape and influence our reality and from your research you know I'd love to get into the book because you talk about you know energy vibration the cosmos other civilizations all things that I'm uh very curious about so I wonder if there's somewhere that you feel like we should start or my thought has always been like, you know, how do we live a peaceful life, but also an empowered one? Like, what does it mean to live a good life and how can I use my consciousness to architect or create my reality differently, de uh, deliberately? Like one distinction I see in people is one set will kind of create the reality by default. You know, whatever happens to them, they, they think that it's materialistic and they just kind of, you know, go mm -hmm. along with the circumstances they have. And the other ones are like, okay, what's most important to me? What are my values? What do I want to create here? How can I give back? And then how can I use my consciousness to begin to create this reality, but do it from a state of peace? And I feel like that's a, a little bit more of a, um, a higher aim. And I'm just curious how you'd see those things and how you'd uh, weave that in with your model of the world. Well, what you talk about is, is perfectly right. These are higher aims. Um, how do I, how I arrived there was really going back to basics because, you know, I realized that there was so much conversation and chatter going on in the world, especially when the communications open up all the connections. Um, but then I, I began to realize that um, the question was, are we using the same references? when I talk about reality, is the person I'm speaking to has the same concept of reality? Because if not, then we're not kind of on the same playing field. And so what I realized, and, I'm, and I guess this also came through my, my kind of background in sociology, is that, you know, we grow up in the midst of a huge amount of social condition. And so depending on where you, you are born and, and grow up in your definitive years, culturally, socially, with your family background, your friends, Depending on your education, all these terms get a different kind of framing. So if you want to talk about consciousness, reality, um, what is life, you know, 
first we have to we have to kind of go back and think well what do i mean by that and so if i say consciousness am i on the same the same page as you on consciousness because we could be speaking but on completely different levels and just like passing each other by you know like two friends on a on a two different trains they wave at each other but they're not really talking so um so in order to arrive here i had to kind of do like two decades of, of kind of deconditioning and um and for example um when i came to publish publish my first monograph it came out in 2012 people would ask me how long did it take you to write it and the truth is it took me about five months to write it because it just fell out of me but the greater truth was it took me 20 years to write it because i couldn't write it until i deconditioned my own my old program so and I think what's happening, what, I, what I'm witnessing now is that people are actually going through their own deprogramming, but much quicker. It's happening greater acceleration in the world. So now it's much easier for us to have these conversations. Like, I don't really know your background too well, but I get the sense, I get the energy when I'm looking at you now that if, I, if we talk about consciousness, we're going to have a similar understanding. But that wasn't the case 20 years ago. Yeah, well, you bring up a lot of great points. And the one is just being on the same page, right? Because even when you, uh, like I was having a discussion in, in one of the coaching groups that I'll run and say like, you know, how information and and our spirituality and our knowing grows. So you could take a spiritual verse, right? From the Bible or the Vedas or wherever and read it. Um, but then the next day, you yourself may have a different idea of that or the next month or the next year. So everybody has their own perception of, you know, reality. So when we're talking about consciousness or these deeper subjects to see if you're even aligned, if the words mean the same thing. And I also hosted a law summit where they really decode the words and you look up the definition, you think you know what it means. And then you're mm -hmm. looking it up and you're realizing, whoa, uh, this isn't, you know, this is way more information by looking at what it actually means and all the different variations, or you realize you're way off. And so you might not be using the same words or have the same meaning. So I think that there's some, that's important. Um, you know, when you talk about, you know, communicating with the unified field source, you know, is it your understanding that, because you, you also talk about, you know, life purpose and aligning with this, what's your thoughts on just knowing what the truth is and, and having like a spiritual connection? Because for me, I've been thinking about that lately. I went to the mm -hmm. parliament of world religions. I wanted to know God or the creator. And then someone's telling me, well, God is a messed up word. That's that you should actually use creator. And all the native Americans used to say that. And my, my thought is I want to have a connection with the creator, the universe, the source, what is right, what is good, what is mm -hmm. true. So how, how do you frame that in your world and how could we move toward that navigation of, um, you know, being connected to the actual truth, truth and being guided by a benevolent force that is leading us in a positive direction not get misled or deceived well you certainly start with a six million dollar question Matt. <laughs> <laughs> right so um let's jump in there uh, a lot a lot to kind of uh, unravel well i mean my my perspective is that i mean all life is fundamentally spiritual and uh, because it, it cannot not be you know we the, the old the old kind of thinking that life you know was just an accident that that sprang out of these you know chemical soup um and then like you know life on planet earth is just a pure accident and earth is a dead rock you know spiraling or flying through a, a a dead universe well that you know that is just so mickey mouse um you know how can we even conceive that because there's so obviously there's so much against that and the more that we get to listen to ourselves we get to a, a, an inner knowing so 
Um, yes, life is inherently spiritual. But of course, until we can realize that, we, we often use structures like words. We talk about religion. We talk about God. It's like a scaffolding. You know, before you, before you can complete a building construction, you put the scaffolding on the outside to hold it in place. Um, and then when you get there, you can take all the, all the, all the support away. For me, language is like a support, is that um, we, we need it when we're trying to reach a point of understanding. When you get there, it doesn't matter if you call it God or creator or source, uh, we have an innate understanding of, of what that is. And I do feel that all, all living sentient beings uh, have that innate connection. It's just being covered up. Um, I used to refer to it as like um, the bridge, uh, the bridge to the real. And, you know, you have to polish it all the time. You have to keep polishing it to make it real to you, to make it tangible, because otherwise, you know, we may miss it, or even though it's there. So um, I've tended to use the word source in, the, in more recent times, because um, we can call it origin. Because I, I don't want to kind of, you know, I don't want to start getting into an argument of, you know, do I use religious words that other people have a different religion with, you know? Um, I think it was the uh, poet Rumi who said, you know, there are many ways to walk up a mountain, but the view at the top is the same. And there's many ways to paraphrase that. So instead of talking about, you know, the, the, eastern, the eastern path or the western path or the northern path up the Eiger, or let's go up this way, to up, up Everest, let's talk about, you know, the view at the top. Um, so, so, yes, the question is, how do we break through those filters, those uh, barriers that, you know, we get too attached to language, we get too attached to, um, let's say, cultural baggage or religious nominations. But at the heart of it, we're all speaking about the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I was just taking some notes as you're chatting there. You know, a lot came to my mind. One of them was like, the inf there's infinite paths to the way home. And one of the things that I've kind of deduced is like the, your will to get there, because that's the only thing um, that, well, there's other things, but m your intent is one of the only things you can know within yourself. So if the person is, is um, has the will and desire to know the creator, to know the truth, to know source, to, you know, connect with life, beauty, and all the good things, that's going to steer them right? If mm -hmm. they're not putting any will or intention there, then you can kind of be pulled and tugged in different directions and kind of go off track. So I feel like if you have that intention, whatever path for you is going to um, be unique to you, everybody is going to have a totally unique path. Because like you talked about with the conditioning, you growing up in the UK and me in Canada, um, even a, a, a an individual who is my friend and came up in the same schools is going to have a totally different life experience because of their parents and their influences and maybe what they watched on TV and their brothers and sisters. So there are all these other conditions that apply. So each of us is going to have a very unique path back to creation or whatever we want to call that source or unified field. Um, but I feel like one of the important concepts you touched on is, is going beyond this idea that it's materialistic. I just had uh, Mark, uh, Goberon and he, he's written a couple of great books and you know he talked about how you know he was a, a Princeton you know 
Mm -hmm. a really smart guy, you know, uh, graduated with honors and all that kind of stuff. And he thought his view was very materialistic. And so for him, it was meaningless. So when he was suffering in his mind, he's like, oh, well, this is just the way it is. Nothing really matters. It's all just material. And he's like, I actually believe that. And so I thought I should just suck it up. I should just uh, go through it. And there's, so there's no uh, spiritual connection. And what you just said at the beginning, I think is so important is that fundamental belief that all life is fundamentally spiritual because if it's material, I think it leads to a lot more suffering. Nothing is special. Nothing is unique. Nothing mm -hmm. is uh, meaningful. Right. And those are important things to touch on. So um, if you want to comment on that, go for it. But one of the technical questions I'd love to ask you is how do we let go of our conditioning? How do we, mm -hmm. you know, we have all these conditions and all of these influences. How do we kind of reverse the slate to check, you know, what's true and not and start to create from who we actually are? Yeah. Well, you said a lot of things there. And in your previous question, you talked about unified source field. And I didn't want to talk about that straight away. I wanted to kind of build up to it and talk about consciousness before we get the unified source field. So, um, but I would, yeah, I would like to come back on that idea that you talked about intent. Because I think intention is, 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 is crucial because, you know, when we get past the material paradigm, we realize that we're living in a participatory reality, a participatory cosmos, if you like. Um, and so we are in continual kind of interaction because when we realize that behind materiality is, is energies and vibration, then they work on, okay, you know, energetics and therefore they're always kind of interweaving. And so we're not these separate objects. We are, we are kind of always blending and, and, and mixing uh, through our, in, to our emotions, our thoughts. It's only our physical body which seems separate. Our thoughts, our emotions are out there in the field, which we'll come to in a minute. So intention, and I don't mean kind of pseudo spiritual intention where, you know, we were told to wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and go, rah, you're a lion, you know? I mean, it, it, probably, it probably worked for those people with a hangover but it's not going to cure your, your sense of purpose in life. So, but if you realize in deep seriousness that if we intend, we focalize. The same thing of like, um, like if, you, if you have a, a lamp, the light from the lamp, it helps you to read, helps you to see, but it's dispersed, you know, it's not going to burn you. But if you sit next to a laser, a laser will burn you because the laser is focused light and that has much more power. And I, and I think the same as it, with intent. You know, if, if we're not conscious of our intention and our, for, our thoughts kind of, you know, swim around and they come in and they go out, we get influenced by memes, by propaganda, by news, we're not really focusing our thoughts. And that's just a dispersion, a dispersion of, of thinking, of, of, of being. And therefore, that's why conditioning gets more of a hold. If we can actually be consciously aware of, what, we, what we're thinking or what's coming through our thoughts and what we're speaking and how we're interacting, we can narrow that into a, into a more powerful um, kind of, let's say, energy of interaction, like the light goes to a laser and it has much more, much more influence and effect in the reality around us. So that's going to go back to your earlier question. Conditioning, so shall I continue or speak about conditioning? Oh yeah, yeah, I love it. Continue. I'm, I'm just taking a whole bunch of notes as you go right. on. So that's why <laughs> I'll mute myself because the typing comes through. Right. You can hear it on the podcast. So yeah, I'm just taking great right. notes. Well, you I, know, I just I, want I, sure. I just don't want to hug the conversation. Oh no, I, no, no. Keep yeah. going, man. I'll jump in when necessary. I, I love it. Um, one of the things that, yeah. that you brought up 
for me, I was reminded of this idea that I had once where, you know, when I went through Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and did this advanced program, it just talked about how we have 70 to 90,000 thoughts a day. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to print those thoughts and you were able to read them, you would see how many are, are habitual, which is most of them. And you would see if they were empowering, if they were connected. So your, your focus is always, you know, it can be very broad. And, you know, I have a background in sports performance and how do we, you know, create a reality. So if you want to do, you know, a trick or even if you want to shoot a basketball shot in or you want to do a very difficult uh, trick in skateboarding, snowboarding or, or gymnastics or something like that all of your intent needs to be focused. And so Mm -hmm. that power harness is one of the things that I've been trying to communicate with people for a long time from the martial arts background or when I trained with the Shaolin monks, it breaks stone. All of their intent was right there. But when we navigate our days, it's very dispersed. And you're, Mm -hmm. you're bringing this back to energy, which I think is really important. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I was taking notes on. So yeah, I'd love for you to continue. Sure. Thanks. And it, it all ties in because obviously Everything of existence is just different parts of the whole phenomenon. So, um, yeah, let's talk about uh, conditioning. So it's all about intention as well, because the great power in the human being is having the, the conscious ability to, to focus and to create and, and to, you know, to move forward, to evolve through those creations. But of course, if we're dispersed, then we get more influenced by external events and conditioning uh, generally, social cultural conditioning is a form to socially manage people. It's a kind of way of kind of bureaucracy, to be honest. It's a way to manage people because they want you to be part of an agreed consensus. Okay, and reality really is, is a consensus reality. Um, and and you know, before recent times, everyone adhered to the consensus reality because we didn't have any alternatives. You know, way back, let's say from the Middle Ages onwards. Uh, only the priestly castes and the monks, you know, were reading the Bible and religious texts, and they would tell the people, you know, what to, you know, what the what to think. It was only with the with like the printing press and the Gutenberg printing press that you know people could actually print the Bibles and start to learn to read themselves. And so gradually we've been, and then education came in to tell people, no, this is how you should think. If you want to go out to the to the school slash workhouse, you know, more or less same thing, um, you had to adhere to a way of thinking. And so society wants to gain consensus thinking, which, which in the end becomes nationalism. Because without nationalism, how can a nation um, defend itself? How can it, how can it um, persuade people to go to war if people aren't conditioned into a national mindset? So conditioning is a way for nations to, get, to gain and sustain their power. So it's, it's a way of like telling you what to think. And, it's, and also within the conditioning, there's great dispersion, is that the human mind is distracted. You're being told one thing and then you're distracted by entertainment or social pursuits. And so both sides, whether it's, it's uh, conditioning of, of political social conditioning, and then it's distraction through social activities or entertainment, all both these things are keeping control of the external impacts. And we lose sight of the internal being the internal side because that takes a different type of focus so really to let go of conditioning the first step is just awareness because unless you see the prison bars you don't believe you're in a prison you've got to know where you are you've got to realize what state you're in before you can start to work on it 
And it's only with, I think, the rise of information and alternative information outside of the consensus narrative, outside of the uh, social cultural propaganda, people are now realizing that there's other things outside of their reality box. And by pursuing that, um, you can break your conditioning down. Just before I finish, one example I remember as a 20-year-old, I was reading the, the, the works of Robert Anton Wilson, who you may be familiar with. Uh, he was a California kind of writer. And he would say, um, you know, 20 years ago, he would say, whatever newspaper or periodical or journal you like to read, go and buy the contrary one. You know, if you read a democratic paper, go and buy a communist one. Go and buy something contrary to your belief system and read that because you've got to start breaking out of your reality box. And I think that's the first stage of breaking it down because to rebuild, you've got to reassemble. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great idea. And one of the things too, you know, when you look into neuro-linguistic programming and how our mind works, they'll call it like a pattern interrupt. So a lot of the time, we, you know, we just want to, the same thing that's going to fit that reality, that box that we already know. And just by viewing it, it doesn't mean you have to accept it. It means you're bringing in new ideas. And if, if you're just starting with this journey, um, I remember when I was a teenager, <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, I have to unlearn everything that I was taught. And I just, it just hit me and I was like, okay. And then you start building yourself up from the ground up and then just questioning everything. You know, mm -hmm. why do I believe this? Does this serve me? Is this true? Uh, why do I believe it's true? Does this come from myself, my culture, my family, uh, my country, you know, what's actually going on here and then start to take stock because as a, as a, as children, we're in this uh, Prussian school system where we were basically, you know, taught not to really ask mm -hmm. questions, right, to just obey, um, you know, to accept it, to memorize and go forward. And this is very strong conditioning for us. So even having the ability to reflect, and I like what you talked about of, of the distractions, right? Everything is preventing you from going uh, to the inner world. And another step to that is your emotions or what I think you'd put as your, your energetic state. Are you constantly in fear? Are you in stress? Are you in acceptance? Uh, where are you on the emotional scale? And if you don't take mm -hmm. a little bit of time to reflect, you're not going to be able to improve the situation or even reflect upon the situation to know if changes are necessary. Um, because I feel like often people can get into this cycle where they wake up, right? They grab their coffee, they run out the door, they think some certain thoughts on the way to work, they go through their work pattern, they get home, they got to do those things, and then they just go to bed. And that cycle can last for years and years. There's no space to reflect. And I feel like mm -hmm. just having that space, understanding these external influences, but to take the time to at least take the lens and go back within your mind, within your body, within your emotions um, to just take an analysis. And then from there, you know, reflect and move forward and make changes if necessary. Yes, we, we definitely have to step back now because we're in such a heightened stimulation stage. I mean, we've never been, I think humanity has never been in this state before of increased aggravation. And um, I think we're becoming more aware of it now because it's so in our faces. But, you know, we, we are, human beings are now living in, in an increased uh, electromagnetic environment. And, um, you know, that was discussed even like 20 years ago. There was uh, the, the book Body Electric. I forget the writer, but we're talking about we're living in an environment like millions of times heightened electromagnetically because of all the, the mass and the antennae. Well, that's, that's been increased 
dramatically now because of obviously Wi-Fi and uh, 4G, then 5G, all the satellites. We're living in, in increased stimulation. And so that's affecting us. And many people are, are, are feeling that through sensitivity because there are a certain percentage of the populace which have a heightened sensitivity and they get um, you know, really uncomfortable from this electromagnetic environment. But also the mind, because you, talk, you mentioned L, NLP. I remember um, when I was researching NLP for a book before, I was talking to a, a marketeer and they said, yeah, but do you realize that you know, not only do we use NLP, but we use neuromarketing techniques, you know, where we, we know exactly you know, what items to place in the image for how many pixels, for how many you know, nano or millisecond, you know, how to direct it. So marketing now is not just about putting an, an image on a screen or, or something. It's actually, it's the art of science of getting into your, your neurons of your brain. That's why they call it neuromarketing. And it's only also recently in the last, let's say, 15 or so years that we have been aware of neuroplasticity, you know, of how the, the, our pathways in our mind can be rewired. So if we're being bombarded with certain types of stimuli, then the brain to cope with that starts to rewire itself because the human body being a wonderful, wonderful mechanism is always recalibrating to be in line or more in alignment with its environment. Okay. So if, uh, if you're born, especially today, in today's world, if you're born into a, you know, almost fully technologized environment, um, you're using smartphones or tablets from an early age, toddlers are sitting, you know, on, in, in their potty with a smartphone these days, um, you know, and then there's, there's, there's this environment that we're in and all the impacts, then I think, you know, there has to be, I mean, there has to be an awareness of this and there has to be a response um, to, to really cultivate the inner state and the inner, inner being. If not, um, I think we're going to be um, influenced and overstimulated to a point where the human, the human body has never been pushed to that state. So it's crucial, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that's going on now is the information overload, right? That's why people are in overwhelm because never have we been able to access such a great deal of information. And even that's an external process, right? When, when you're doing research and you have all of your smart devices and all of this thing going on, um, you know, it's still external, right? And you're not mm -hmm. really taking that. We're not taught or we don't value as much as a culture to go within, to have your own feeling and understanding, whether it's a meditative practice, a journaling practice, a writing practice, or even something like it's a creation practice, like art or music or things like that. Um, I think the Stoics would call it, um, uh, was it a live time, right? So there's kind of pe like passive or dead time where you'd be zoning out, right? Mm -hmm. Research, I think would still be a live time, but it's still kind of a little bit passive in a way you want to be learning, but you need to balance that with your output. Just like when, you know, uh, Bruce Lee would say, knowing is not enough. We must, we must do. Um, and so we have all this information, but how are we acting on it? In, the, in a way, mm -hmm. like from a sports background, we could know everything there is about the perfect weight training and the exercises that we could do down to a T and what to write. But we have to put that into practice. That is equally, if not more valuable than, than more of the passive or the external or all of this information coming in. And so it can be very challenging for us to deal with. And we need to honor the 
integration side as much the silence you know the reflection as much as mm-hmm. you know the external and all those things coming in um when you in your book you talk a, about a unified reality can you talk about you know what you mean by that and the importance of that i have an idea of what i think it means but i'd love to hear your perspective on it mm-hmm. sure and uh by the way, I think you're, you're totally spot on when you say we have to integrate with the life around us and, and be involved because, you know, human beings and life, we are receivers, we're transmitters, we are part of the, the whole integration. So if we block that, then we are blocking our capacity to interact with material life. And material life isn't, isn't uh, necessarily, it isn't anything bad. It's just, a, it's just a state of energy, you know? Like when you boil water, it goes into steam Steam isn't necessarily bad or negative. It's just a different state than water. And so materiality is a different state than the the energetic background. And this is the unified reality is that the unified reality is just existent in different states. So, you know, and and modern quantum physics uh, has realized realized for a time that the ultimate kind of um, state is, is a state of energy. The question they're debating is whether energy is intelligent, whether it's a conscious energy or not, but they agree that it's an energetic state. And so they even use the terms matrix now. They say that the energetic state is beyond what we understand as the cosmos. It's beyond, um, even when we talk about, you know, dark matter and the quantum state, that's, you know, that's kind of within our conception, but really the source energy is beyond our conception. But, it what we understand is what comes forth from that. So it's a kind of uh, almost a kind of still state, and then there are kind of manifestations, or you could say explosions of materiality. Energy comes out into form, and the universe or the cosmos is an energy state which is manifested from source. So, I mean, we could say. I mean, of course, we know it's a very well-used analogy that, you know, the wave comes from the ocean. The ocean is the background energy and the wave is a manifestation of that. All cosmoses, and there's multiple cosmos and multiple um, multidimensional realities. I'm not just saying that. Latest science has now now understood that we live in, there are multiple realities and multiple universes. So universes are kind of an energy wave coming out from source. And then as that goes along, it it congeals or condenses into uh, denser matter, which could be, you know, solar systems, um, nebulae. And of course, it goes into, you know, increased uh, states of densification, which could be a planet. So these are all manifestations of energy in different states. This is, you know, this is understandable, I think, with most people, because they understand from, you know, um, basic science that we are made of atoms, atoms made of quarks, beyond quarks, it's very difficult to know because there are different energy fluctuations. Um, so everything's unified. And just because we're living in a, in a material reality and our senses, our major senses, should I say, the five senses we've been trained to use, they are aligned with materiality. Again, any, any optician will tell you that the, the human eye picks up a very, very, very thin slither of the electromagnetic spectrum of the, and then beyond that is like 99.5% more of the electromagnetic spectrum. So our senses are geared to a very, to a slither of life. And materiality is a part of that. 
But what I'm saying is that the, uni the unified essence or field is trying to understand and accept and, and kind of you know, appreciate that we are living within a, in a much grander you know, conception. I can go further, but I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, I love all that. Well, I, I love seeing that uh, spectrum. You can actually look it up, right? And what the eye will perceive and what's actually there as far as the light spectrum. It is it is so minuscule. And it's the same for the sound spectrum. It's so minuscule. Mm -hmm. So I think it was Mark on the last podcast or someone was just talking about how, you know, consciousness actually limits everything. It limits our perception of actually what reality is. We're only getting a little tiny uh, bit of it. And this is where yogis or spiritual masters or uh, certain people will talk about this expanded reality. Um, sometimes you achieve it through meditation. And I've been fortunate enough to experience whatever that is directly. And it's beyond words. There's no way mm -hmm. that you can frame it in a word because it's so expansive. Uh, Alan Watts will talk about how it's a, a knife trying to cut itself. It's just Mm -hmm. impossible it's such a an interesting thing maybe when you're talking about the ocean and i love the Rumi quote where he says you're you're not a drop in the ocean you're the entire ocean uh, itself and that's what it is it's going from this you know maybe my consciousness is just the drop right and this is mm -hmm. me trying to experience the entire ocean from this drop but every now and then you can dip back in and experience the whole ocean in which you were a part of which is a very beautiful thing and and maybe an analogy to how you see the the unified field or cosmos um, if you want to expand on what you're chatting about, please do. And the, the thing where I'd want to kind of direct it is how do we move that toward, uh, you know, our purpose? You know, how do we know <laughs> what our life purpose is? Um, and, you know, how do we communicate with this field so that we are in harmony or cooperation with it? Yeah, sure. And uh, I totally agree with what you're saying about um, you know, this, this understanding of the we are the ocean is an experiential thing. I mean, we're having a discussion now using language because we have a certain experiences and we know that what we're saying conveys something. But I would, I would always say to anybody listening or anybody I talk to, you know, you have to go away and try to find your own space because, you know, I'm talking about something, but it's only a, you know, a, a very small fraction of, of what a person can feel for themselves. So ultimately what is unification and purpose has to come down to a personal experiential uh, state. But let's get to that. Let's get to the question of, to get to the unified field and, 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 and purpose, I want to talk about consciousness because um, I, you know, I want to share with to you, Matt, my understanding of consciousness is that um, it's not something that we produce because if consciousness was something we produced, then why is it that um, you know, there are so many experiences of people having communication out of body or after death? where the consciousness continues you know if if the if the brain produced consciousness just like the computer i call it the computer model um you know the computer creates let's say the program if you turn the computer off if the brain dies there's no consciousness but that's not true so i would say i would i would put forward the idea that um the human brain doesn't produce consciousness any more than a television produces its programs now, if, if, you, if someone came, came to your house and, and watched, switched on the television and said, wow, your television produces all these different programs by itself, you know, you'd think, hmm, that, I don't think that person has a quite good grasp on, on broadcasting. <laughs> so I think what it is, is that consciousness is inherent in the unified field, in all existence, both in the energetics, behind materiality, 
and within materiality itself. What it is, of course, is that uh, we can, uh, all sentient beings can receive consciousness because it's all around us in the field, and then we filter it through our, our own conditioning, our own uh, nervous system, and then we kind of put our filter, we put our stamp on it. You know, we filter it through our personality and through our patterns of thinking, and we put it out in a certain way. That's why we have our opinions, we have our thought processes, which are slightly different because each person has what I would call a vib vibratory signature. Is that everyone has their signature through their, vi their vibration and manifestation. And so we, we color or we filter consciousness. Now, in the past, I would say that humanity was similar to a small 15-inch uh, black and white television. When you received the program, the picture was black and white, it was hazy, you kept having to retune it to try to keep the picture. As technology increased of the television, we went to a, a color television and then to a 25-inch color television and then to plasma, then to high definition. Now, now we have whatever, <laughs> now we have whatever 100-inch televisions and, and whatever technology. What, what that analogy means that human beings increase their technology also. And that's a technology of perception and interior expansion and evolution of the human being, of the human incarnation. And so through that development of the human being, through training or, or spiritual programs or meditation, and also through the human nervous system, which also uh, naturally evolves according to its energetic environment and, and everything it's receiving from the sun and the cosmic energies, as that evolves, we are opening up the reception. So we're not getting a black and white picture of anymore. We're getting a color picture. And so we understand more. We, we, are, we are widening our filters and consciousness is coming through more and more and manifesting through us. So the more we can take away our filters and our conditioning, the more we can be a kind of um, repository and a participant in, in manifestation of consciousness. And that's why it's so important now, um, I would say, is that because certain elements in the world externally are trying to constrain reality and give a certain picture, Evolution is always about expanding the understanding of the cosmos, understanding our place in the wider in the wider reality, and we are bringing it through, Matt. Humans are bringing this through, and by understanding that, we're not channeling it; we are merging with it. And so, whereas I think the older model is, we use the term channeling, like people would channel other intelligences. People would channel uh, just a greater field of consciousness, but I would say, and as I what came through this the book, uh, most recent book, is that you know I was we were told to say it's not channeling, it's allowing. Every human can allow the greater consciousness to come through them because it's a mutual merging, and that's where the unified field comes comes to me an understanding is that we are part of it and we can merge it. In, through our vibratory signature, through our physical manifestation into life today. Well, that was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I loved all that. And, and it reminded me of the time I was doing this meditation. And, and, you know, anyone can do this. I like it. It's like, okay, you go into meditation and then you think about, you know, um, 
you know, your body. And then you think about who is perceived, who, where, where do these thoughts come from? You know, you, you observe the thoughts and then you think, mm-hmm. well, what is producing those thoughts? And then you try to go back a layer. And then if you can find anything, what's producing that you find is what's producing that. And so when you talk about, you know, our filter of consciousness emerging with, let's say the unified field or information or our perceptions or whatever's mm-hmm. coming through us, my thought is, what are that? What are those origins? You know, we think about cosmos, cosmos, uh, or um, you know, the Bible we'll talk about the breath of life. Um, where does this, in your research, what do you think the origin of creation is? Where does it? Where is this original power source that's activating us? That's you know, giving us the breath of life. That's creating this whole thing. Have you have you thought about like what's your perception on that one? And that's where I think of like that source. You know, like the infinite. You know, is it because I don't think it's a a person, you know, I don't know what it is. Like it's, it's just so far beyond the scope of my consciousness that uh, I just, I'd like to um, think about it, but also integrate with it because to me, it must be benevolent. It must be something that is beautiful and good because it gave me life and it's created all of this. Mm -hmm. And I'm a part of that. And I get to have some sort of free will in this experience right? And I get that choice. And I do think we're in a free will universe. So I'd be curious about your uh, ideas on that. Definitely. Um, I would agree with you that um, the, the origin of the source is, is, is not only benevolent, it's, it's more than that. It, it's, it's, you know, um, ultimate life, life affirming. You know, we could, you could call it ultimate love. Just that we, you know, it's difficult for us to use that word because usually people have, you know, baggage around it. But just consider ultimate unconditional love is life affirming. Um, but how that manifests in, the, in certain realms, especially, as you say, in certain realms where free will is, is given, then that's different. Now, I'm, I'm not sh- I can't give an ultimate answer because even in my experience of my meditations, I can't say the source is this because it's coming through gradually. You know, if if I had complete contact with source, I'd probably blow up. <laughs> you know, I think I think our nervous system would, would have an overload because we are in a, a material body and you can't put so too much energy in a body which can't handle it. So I think I think this kind of we, we have an understanding through certain gradations, a gradual kind of way. And. It's definitely, I mean, a lot of the, the wisdom traditions have talked about, you know, the, the one source. Um, you know, even Plotinus and Neoplatonism called it the one. Um, even Kabbalah talked about this, this ultimate one stillness that, that then expanded into, into replications of itself. And a lot of traditions talk about that, that we are all life or all uh, realms or realities of life are kind of waves coming off the, the, the origin. Um, now, in, I've, in my research, I've, I also talk about the work of another researcher called Chris, um, Chris Bache, um, who did his own research. He used a certain kind of, um, he did a kind of experimental research with, uh, he was an academic scientist. So he used over 20 years, he went through a kind of narcotic experimentation. And he went through 20 years, he managed to go and reach certain um, levels of the cosmic mind, which he would call. But all of that was a very slow learning process because he wasn't ready to get to the next stage because his mind would be, his body would be, you know, blown by it. So I think that, you know, 
through meditation, we can get to certain states which are reflections of the ultimate origin. Um, but even like the states like Nirvana, which they talk about, wouldn't, you know, to a certain state, it's not totally with the origin because the origin is, is you know, I think beyond conception. But we're getting there. And um, it's, 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 it's untalkable about, really. If, if we get to a certain state, we, we get a, a state we can't put into words. You know, the whole body shivers in a way. Um, but we have to learn to get closer to that and through our, our lived experience in materiality to bring as much through us as possible. And the closer we get to that understanding, the more um, gracious I think we become because gratitude and is, is a part of that understanding. So when we see people who are living, who are manifesting more negative energies, then we know that they're just not getting this, this access to, to that source energy um, because otherwise they won't behave like that. Um, so I think we may not get through it in one lifetime either, but we are getting to a stage where we can uh, represent more this energy which is beyond us, but which we are a part of. Well, I love that answer. It reminds me of, um, you know, living in an electromagnetic universe. And so if we're all, I don't even know if this is the right word to say, conductors, you know, like an outlet, right? We have a certain voltage that the body can handle. So if you're given too much, you're just going to explode. It's going to explode the mind. It's going to explode the body. It can't handle that voltage. And so as we do our work, as we progress, we're going to be able to hold a higher voltage, hold a vibration, hold uh, a new understanding. And I feel like a lot of people want to rush this process. And it's an interesting mm -hmm. thing because when you have uh, a child, um, you know, you're, they're perfect as they are. And, you know, one, two, three, up to five and eight and, you know, teenage years are always perfect, but somewhere as an adult, we feel like we're supposed to know everything, right? Whether it's when we're graduated university in our twenties and thirties are, but when you get to uh, your seventies, eighties and nineties, you've gotten to this point where you realize you're never going to know everything. It's a continual expansion. You know, you've kind of surrendered that idea. You've, you surrender to this greater understanding, this greater energy, and you can do so willingly, um, or you could just hold on and pretend, you know, everything forever. It's definitely a choice. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel like there is comfort in kind of surrendering that I'm not going to know everything. I'm in continuous expansion. I'm in continuous mystery and awe of this uh, life. And I like how you talked about, you know, this being a benevolent force, because it feels like then it would be guiding us through our experiences, you know, to allow us to take on more energy, more information or more knowledge in which then we can go and apply. Um, because, you know, when you ride a bicycle as a kid, you don't start with a massive bike and start going downhill and do all kinds of crazy things. You wait a little bit, you know, you don't put a 12 year old in a car, but you know, 16 and 18, you can give them a car, but you don't give them a Ferrari right away uh, mm -hmm. because they will crash that, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. I would have crashed it immediately and I would have loved one. Um, so it takes time to develop these skills and to be okay with the process, you know, to be okay mm -hmm. with wherever you are in the process. And I also think it requires a willingness, um, right? That goes back to that will and desire to merge with this greater truth, to merge with a greater understanding, to uh, be a conduit for what life wants to bring through you and however you perceive that uh, creator source, God, the universe, whatever that is. And I think that that has to be um, given up freely, you know, 
And so mm-hmm. that's where I feel like you can actually, you know, be led by and merge with the universe. Um, and, you know, in lesser words, I'd be curious your thoughts on wholeness. Cause I feel like that so many people out there s- struggle with um, just trauma and you're know, not feeling good enough and judgment, you know what I mean? And, and feeling shame and guilt and all these mm-hmm. things that really keep us down. How, how do you see the concept of wholeness and how we can, move into a higher vibrational state where we're in the sense of, you know, I love myself completely. I am whole as my, uh, as I am, because, you know, I feel like every human is, is incomplete. So that's part of the acceptance for me when I'm talking to people about it, you know, it's like, you're a, you're a, you're a child in the eyes of the universe. You can't know everything, you know, that's a part of it. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, trauma is a, is a big issue, especially, you know, in today's world, modern world day and age. And, and a lot of it, again, goes back to, I think, um, externalizations, because, you know, we are giving so many expectations and um, the world is always wanting us to, you know, to, to compete, to, I mean, these were the old energies. I call them the sea energies, competition, conflict, com- conquering and control. Whereas, you know, the sea energies, which are the, the wholesome energies, are the sea energies of, of uh, connection, communication, compassion, collaboration, consciousness. And, you know, and if you want to give it a, a visual style, then the, the, the kind of external negative energies, they're kind of like a vertical hierarchy, control, conquest, you know, um, con- um, and this kind of uh, containment is vertical, which a lot of our societies were ruled by those vertical hierarchies. And now we're seeing, a different, we're seeing the world changing, especially through our, our, the way we're connecting across the world. And I, I see it more lateral, horizontal. And that's where you get different energies manifesting of, of communication, collaboration, compassion, consciousness. So I think, I think everything's changing to try to bring in those energies of wholeness. But if we're still, if we're still being pulled back by the other, the other energies, which say, you know, you have to go and achieve this in life. You have to, if you don't do this within your lifetime, you haven't been a success, you know. The, these are all tra- traumatizing um, concepts, and you know they're all, but they're all externally based, because we are being conditioned to authority, to external authority, and that's our measurement. Often, we measure ourselves by what our peers are doing, what our what our colleagues at school, what have they achieved. You know, they're they're now earning X amount, and I'm, you know, and I and I'm not doing that. So, am I a failure? So really, if you have those external comparisons, they're always going to take you off track because everyone's path is different. And, you know, and the grass is always greener. You may think that your friend is earning lots of money. They're earning whatever, 200,000 a year. They've got a good job. They've got a good car. But, you know, they may come to a complete breakdown. Now, one example is after the 2008 crash, economic crash, when a lot of bankers were lost their jobs you know, some banks, you know, folded and went bankrupt. There were lots of instances of these financial with with kids committing suicide. You know, you you took their job away from them, you took their money away from them, and they felt that they lost their purpose, they lost their place in life, and they were committing suicide. You know, and then then you realize that if that's your measurement of life, then how how twisted is that? So if we've been trained and conditioned to put everything external to us, where in fact life is the contrary, we have everything 
within us. And it's going to manifest in so many different ways. You know, there are whatever, 7.5 billion people on the planet. Therefore, life is going to manifest in 7 billion different ways. And you can't compare with someone else. And you're, you're not being judged, you know, and you don't have to compete. And you can be happy just um, having a, a simple life, tending a garden and having just enough resources to live on. You can be happy, um, you know, being in a monastery if that, if that gives you your fulfillment. But, you know, I think you have to find out what works for you internally and not measure it externally. But then, you know, that's the first step, I would say, Matt. I love all that. And I love what you said, your last sentence, you have to figure out what works for you internally and not measure, measure it externally. And when I've worked with a lot of people who are good at things like writing or art, um, or they, they, they have something they're passionate about, usually they're pretty good at it. And often mm -hmm. their resistance will rise to putting it out because they're worried about what the external result will be. And I've always just suggested to them, you know, if somebody, if you could do what you love, art, music, writing, anything, a podcast, and everybody you love, you know, writes you a handwritten letter about why you suck and you still know you should do it because you love it, then do it, right? It's not mm -hmm. about what you receive back. It's about, does it line up with who you are? Um, and I think that that's so important because the, if you measure it with an external validation, you know, you're going to, you're going to, uh, what, diminish what you do. You're not going to be going to your full capabilities because that fear is going to hold you back rather than just, uh, creating, you know, from the space of the most authentic part of who you are. And that's, what's most important. Um, and mm -hmm. so I, I want to ask, you know, how do you, I'm always curious to people, um, you know, if we live in a benevolent universe, one thing I, I've always struggled with was the harm that I see, right? So I go through the, the law summit and, you know, a lot of the people who teach it, they're saying, you know, I'm not worried about them coming in and, and taking your free will away. But then I looked at things that like the Bolshevik revolution and I was in Cambodia, the killing fields and, you know, trying to feel like, why do people do this to each other? And how was this allowed? Like, you know, here. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And so in your model of the world and what you've gone through, how do you um, either make peace with or understand these evils on the world? Because when we look at, you know, kind of what's going on now, you know, if I look at it, I'm like, well, is this the great awakening? And everybody's now having this uh, opportunity to reflect on their reality and their choices and come back closer to source, God, the creator. And, you know, we know the difference between right and wrong. So we have to choose that individually, but at the same time, you know, what they want to architect and what's been architected in other countries and carried out has been pretty horrendous. And so mm -hmm. I'd be curious, uh, your views and, and how you see that. Sure. And, um, you know, we do live in a, in a cruel environment as well. We, we know the human cruelty that's been going on and still goes on. And, but of course, um, that doesn't negate the fact that there is a benevolent source of energy behind that. But, you know, we are in a particular, very small, in, in, in cosmic terms, you know, manifestation reality. And in that reality, um, you, can, you can get disturbances and dissonance. And I, I, I mean, I try to tackle the same question myself. Um, and I, you know, I produced a book called uh, Healing the Wounded Mind global psychosis and the search for the self trying to understand the same the same issue and, and what i what i came to kind of understand is that um because we're operating much through an intellectual level as well and through and through the human mind the mind can pick up viruses just like a just like the, the body can pick up a biological virus and the computer can pick up electronic virus 
the mind can pick up viruses, you know. Um, and in fact, there is this term called wetiko, which you may be familiar with. Um, the, um, the Native Americans uh, in North America had this term called wetiko. And um, there's a great book called Jack, by Jack Forbes called Christians and Cannibals, I think it is. And he was a Native American. He talked about this term wetiko, where when, when the first Europeans came to over to America, um, you know, some of the Native Americans thought, thought that they were crazy, that they'd been taken over by, a, by a, you know, something in their heads because they had this whole different idea of how to live together and, and what to do with the land. And, you know, and we know, what, what, you know how, that kept, that, how that turned out initially. And so the concept of Huatico, and even the shamans talk about this as well, and Don Juan in Carlos Castaneda talks about this. He calls it the foreign installation. The idea that we've got something foreign, not natural in our minds, just like a just like a meme. OK, now, sometimes, if you know, you hear this really bad pop song, you don't like it, but it's in your head and you start singing it. You know, jingle a bit horrible jingle. You know, uh, I won't name any bad pop songs because there's, there's thousands of them. But um, it's the same as a bad, same as a propaganda advert. It gets in your head. Well, so does a negativity or a negative thought. And we propagate that if we're not conscious of it. And ideology can work on that. The ideology that that you know was behind the killing fields, uh, or the, you know the Cultural Revolution in China, um, behind many revolutions. It's an ideology which can be a thought form, but a kind of virus type of thought form, which unknowingly we pass it on, um, if we're not conscious of how we can filter consciousness, and we get drawn into it. You know, modern examples is mob mentality. When you get certain people together and there's this energy of resonance of this negative kind of thought process, you get drawn into a mob. And it's so difficult to pull yourself out of that because it energetically pulls you in. So if we take that back to the, the idea of vibrations, which we started our conversation on, you know, all reality is a kind of resonance or vibration. And therefore, we have the notion of entrainment. Not entertainment, but entrainment is when obviously certain sounds or vibrations get aligned with each other. So if you're with friends and you're, you know, you're on the same level, you can kind of tune in, be in sync. You know, we have these terms, you know, you know, I'm really in sync with this person. This person gives me a good vibe, you know, you know, we're on the same wavelength. We have the vocabulary to explain it. What we're doing is aligning with a resonance. And often if we choose certain aspects of our lives like meditation to read certain books to listen to certain uplifting music we can attune with a certain resonance but the world at the moment it seems to be attuning with a lower denser resonance vibration and and that's so easy to get sucked into and i think that that can is not necessarily um you know a manifestation manifestation of you know satanic evil but there are negative thought forms which then you know, you know, come into society and they 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 kind of um, manifest power and greed and control, and and those are, are so tempting through our conditioning to get dragged into that. Whereas their service to self, whereas service to others through um, grace, uh, generosity, sincerity, compassion, um, they're a finer vibration which um, often gets kind of overtaken and hijacked by the the stronger vibrations of control and selfishness and power 
and and that's what seems to manifest more and that's what we're seeing uh, through the external manifestation in life today to a great degree Matt. yeah when you when you give that example it it makes me think of the idea that danger is real but fear is optional and i know this mm. through extreme sports and and training pro athletes where when when we'd be preparing for a new trick or doing something, you know, if you mess up, especially, you know, if you look at street skateboarding and street snowboarding, uh, things like that, every single time that you progress, you are, you're putting yourself at risk. Even if you're doing something that you're pretty confident in doing, if you, if it goes wrong, your legs could break, you, you know, horrible things could happen, especially when you get really good and you're flying off jumps that are 80 or hundred feet, you know, and you're flipping and spinning through the air, uh, you know, and I've seen it and I've seen people get carted off and, and really badly injured at, at very high level uh, snowboarding, dropping out of the air, like a hundred feet almost from overshooting a jump. And that's, that's horrifying. So the, the danger is there. And, and we look at a reality on a more of a world scale now of these possibilities that we see. And my thought has always been that, okay, look at them for what they are, because if you ignore it, it could, it could cause you harm. Now, you don't want to stay there and dwell on it and be afraid all day because that's not helpful either. But but pretending it doesn't exist, I don't think that that's helpful. Maybe there's a there's a higher this is where I am in, in kind of calculating these things that are going on. So once we can become aware of it, then we can just focus fully on the solutions. And if we are in a time where there is increased density, increased fear um, and increased dangers and in, increased uh um, actual harms that are happening, it also increases the possibility for the universe to work through us to be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be, a, the, the more greater the harms, the more greater the disparity, the more great the opportunity to be a part of that a solution. And that's where, again, you can go back to uh, prayer or intent or your own work and say, okay, look, you know, I understand that this is going on, uh, but I want to be in alignment. You know, I want to be of service. I want to help. Yeah. I want to be part of the greater good. And that's where you'll be led. And that might, you know, in order to get there, you might have to cross a bridge and, and let go of something that was holding you back. That was no longer serving you that you're unable to hold on to, to get to that next step. And uh, the more willing we are to engage in this process of our own evolution as the world evolves with or without us, um, you know, because it might just explode it for you if you don't want to kind of let go of the rope to the new thing. I feel like it might be a little bit of an easier process, not that the process is easy, um, but to uh, have a little bit of a. Uh, easier time rather than I kind of equate it to being, you know, skiing on the back of a boat. And if you let go and you fall and you keep holding onto the rope, you get dragged on the water. It's very Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and you kind of get drowned and you see people do that and it's not very good. Um, So just letting go, you know, and then having Mm -hmm. faith that a different boat or something else is going to come around and pick you up and, and, and support you. Um, What -hmm. do you think of that rant? (laughs) I, Great. I, I agree with everything you said, and I think you said it so well. And, uh, you know, I like how you bring the body into this as well, because, you know, I know, you know, from your background, you've worked more through martial arts and the body. And and you know that if you overthink something, you break it just at the last moment. You know, if you get to a point and then the mind kicks in and says, we've got to do it this way. And then you lose the rhythm because, um, you know, really the, the way that we're greatly influenced and these these, let's say, these negative uh, influences come in is through the mind because we've moved into an intellectualized material reality. You know, and if you look at materiality now with all, all our goods and all our devices and, you know, everything we're connecting to, 
is, is trying to focus on the mind and the intellect. And that, that's a sign actually of, um, you know, the intellect is good. It can take you so far. You know, we create inventions and, and uh, great, um, you know, devices. There's an old Eastern saying which says, you would ride your donkey to, a front, to the front door of your house, but you wouldn't ride it into your house. You know, there's a time when you get off the donkey. In other words, you know, one vehicle gets you so far. And I think humanity has been using the intellectual consciousness or intellectual element of itself to a certain extent through the Industrial Revolution. Now we've got to a stage where, you know, it's, it's going to start to be dangerous for us or it's going to pull us in a direction that's not beneficial if we don't, you know, if we don't start to pull back. And, you know, the, you know as biology says, is that the, the mind really, the whole body is a mind, you know. The heart gives off more electromagnetic pulses than the, than the mind does. You know, it's receiving, it's receiving the input externally in the same way as the mind. The mind's just a chip, just a processor, you know, just the you now just a chip that does all the, the final the final kind of processing before it puts it out. But the whole body is receiver. And I think the bottom line is like we have to allow the vital energies and the life. The, the life essence, the life source, however you want to frame it, has to come through us, has to come through us bodily, wholly, not just, you know, squeeze into an intellectual kind of uh, programming synopsis. So the body knows, you know, we, we, we talk about gut reaction. I've got a good reaction about this. I trust my instinct. So I think, you know, or I feel that the way we should need to go is just allow things more to come through us and try to trust our body instinct, our innate knowledge. You know, not the, not the acquired knowledge, which you get put onto you from, from outside, but the innate knowledge, which is all running through the human body. Um, you, asked, you asked a question earlier about where do we think this comes from? Like, is it from source? Well, we've always given it names. Like the Greeks used to say, we get creativity and inspiration from the muses, you know? Used to talk about the muses, and you know any kind of creative person, whether you're a musician, uh, um, an artist, um, or a, you know a sports person, you get your inspiration and it comes through you. And we don't have to, you know, put it into the ego and say I'm creating this. It's coming through me. No, we're we're we're, the, we're part of the merge. We're allowing life to come through us. And when you do that, I would agree with you. The resonance shifts and you, you know, life starts to seem different for you. Different aspects of life get pulled into your, into your zone, into your remit, because that's where you're at. That's where you're putting yourself out there, whole body allowance of life to come forth. And um, so I think we have to pull away from intellectualization um, somewhat as well. Well, I love that answer. And, and as you're saying it, I was thinking to myself, you know, the divine or the creator or spirit is beyond fear and it's beyond mind, you know, who mm -hmm. we truly are, the, the energy that pervades everything. So if I look at the climate today and I see some of the potential fears and things that are happening, that's in the level of the mind. That's in the level of mm -hmm. consciousness, um, specifically the dense level of fear. I'm not thinking about, well, what if this, this does work out? What if this, you know, because there, there are other possibilities too. And I, I don't, I, I've never had, and no one ever has um, control of the bigger picture. That's where surrender comes into, you know, we, we will exit this planet through death. That's what we know. We, mm -hmm. we know that our time here is limited. So 
um, this greater picture of where, when we're going to be called home or back to source or however you see that is going to happen. That's a hundred percent guarantee. And so I feel like everything else to a degree is beyond our control and whatever this simulation or experience is, it's this merger of who we are as a soul and spirit through our choices and how we navigate what we're observing in our reality. And so when I think about fear and the mind and the level of intellect, I know that this divine source the entire ocean um you know so to speak is beyond that level it's it's much deeper and what's and it's much greater so if you are in the level of fear if you are able to go to a level deeper and you talked about innate intelligence i think that's a great example because you know i give the example of if you were in a cafeteria or something and a bunch of lions were released and they're eating everybody you know like, oh my goodness wherever you are all of a sudden you would like jump off the garbage can get onto the rafter like do a monkey thing and your mind wouldn't think about any of these things your mm -hmm. body would go ahead and do that and in another sense when we're observing this world and reality and we're having these uh conflicts and we're having these experiences we know in our innate intelligence and who we are, the difference between right and wrong. And mm -hmm. when I look at what's happening in the world, it almost seems like I could break it down to the option of each individual to choose right from wrong, to choose spirit, God, creator, source, uh, cooperation, benevolence, compassion, or um, kind of start with the fear thing and then start to compromise who we are. Oh, I'm going to do this because of this and this and this and this. But you know innately that it's wrong that it's incorrect mm -hmm. and you're doing it a lot of times through materialism. So even if it's taking that job because you got to feed your family, I totally get that. And I'm not in that exact experience, um, but that would be a great leap of faith to say, okay, will the creator support me if I don't support this thing that goes against my innate intelligence. And mm -hmm. that's a big leap of faith. Right. And I feel like a lot of people might have to do that, but we know, we always know innately the difference, I believe, unless we've gotten so far off the track um, you know, where, you know, and get into weird occult stuff, you sell your soul to the devil, or you keep compromising your soul till now your soul less and you've lost compassion, you've lost empathy, you're not even concerned with those things. And so to me, what's your, well, what's your view on what's going on now? Do you see this as the great awakening? Do you see this as like, oh goodness, you know, we're all, we're all going to die or, or how do you see this uh, playing out? I, I hear a, a couple different things out there. I do know that they have written out in their plans what they would like humanity to go towards. And my thought is it won't work um, because it's very grand. There's many reasons why I don't think it will work, but nonetheless, it's their plan because they wrote it down and you can go read it <laughs> and that's not good. Yeah. So uh, how do you view these uh, times and how do you uh, suggest we can navigate them with peace and purpose and power? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's a very pertinent question. And I think we should start to answer that by the question of fear, because the fear, I think, is fundamental to what's happening right now, because um, what's being played out is the fear of mortality, the fear of death. So even if there's a 0.01% chance of us dying, we, you know, people panic and they, they, they have to secure their mortality. Um, but you see, that plays into the material paradigm is that once its life is over, that's it, kaput, you know? And people fear, I don't want to leave, I'm not ready to leave, you know, I don't want to die and that's it. But when you realize that you are, um, you are having a, you know, an experience in a physical body and that the spirit that is, in, is coming through the spiritual body is eternal. There is no death. There are transitions to different states. 
Uh, there's a transition out of the body, but life is eternal. And so uh, you're only talking about a certain stage, but that's not talked about. And, and you know, even simple uh, subjects such as near-death experiences and life after death, you know, the consensus narrative poo-poos it. It's like, oh, that's all woo-woo stuff. You know, that's all fuzzy hoodoo stuff. You know, you're a bit crazy. You know, you've been smoking wacky-backy, that kind of stuff. You know, they, society ridicules you because they don't want this understanding to become part of the general understanding because once you under, once that comes in, then we start to lose a fear of death because we know that we're just having a temporary experience and we are so much more than our bodies. We are so much more than the narrative has told us we are. Um, and so the human is so much more, so much more than we can even conceive of. And that's why now I see the mainstream narrative going towards a program of dehumanization is trying to belittle the human being. So not only is it a control through fear of death, it's a control through biology, what, what I call biopower. And I've talked about this in some of my earlier work, Hijacking Reality, biopower and biosecurity. They want to get into our bodies, you know, and then that goes down a line of transhumanism and technocracy. And these, these are subjects, you know, large enough for a whole discussion in itself. So I don't really want to expand on technocracy. And I'm sure a lot of listeners will understand what technocracy means. There's, there's this movement to, to get humanity contained into a social management system of um, biotechno-economic control. So therefore, you know, we're kind of the human being and our abilities are, are contained. And the more that then we, we tend to kind of hybridize the human being, we, we, we kind of move away from the transcendent power of the human being, the power of source to manifest through us. And I, I call this the theory of weak bodies. We've been conditioned to feel that the body is weak or my immune system won't support me. The immune system is a wonderful, wonderful system that's been developed over millennia. You know, it's, we have to have faith in the human, in the human body to adapt, but... Of course, there's means to supplement that, but do not move into a narrative of my, I'm so weak that the human body is, is helpless because the weak body narrative plays into the transhumanist narrative. But when you're, when you're a living experience connected to source, you know, there's so much natural power. Now, power isn't negative. It's how it's used. But natural power of goodness to come through, to manifest and to go towards uh, evolution, uh, positive evolution, creative evolution. Um, that is, again, an innate human power. But I think that what's happening in the world now is that um, con control structures are trying to bring a containment of the human being and, and therefore are devising many structures to increase that containment, psychologically, um, biologically, technologically, economically, and, and all those means. And, and uh, yeah, I think ultimately it's going to fail because they're not, the powers that be, let's call them that, for want of a better word, don't fully understand or, or can be connected to the great source of consciousness that's coming through us because they've blocked it. They've lost their empathy. You know, they've lost their, their natural um, connection. And so they're blind. They've blinded themselves and that's their weakness. When you're blind to the power of the human beingness, then you think you can overrule it, but ultimately you can't. You can contain it to a certain degree, but ultimately you can't 
uh, overrule it. And that's the human positive future that will about will come about. I feel, but maybe a um, maybe a kind of um, a rough ride for a short time. But I, you know, I always put my cards in the human future over the non-human future. I love that. And I like how you framed it at the end there, you know, like disconnecting from source, right? And I've seen it as parasitical, right? They're trying to contain this thing because it's incredibly powerful, but, you know, we're connected to life and adaptation, right? We're connected to the source, the greater intelligence, and they're using level of mind and fear and body and limitation to limit the infinite which is impossible. And so mm -hmm. all that we're re really required to do, maybe this is my theory. Cause I don't freaking know much as <laughs> <But laughs> like move into that power to align to that power. And that's why it is faith. It is spiritual. And, and it's learning to set your consciousness and your gaze and your reality to those things, you know, observe mm -hmm. nature, observe uh, the birds, observe what's around you, connect with yourself and silence the outdoors. And, and I realized like they, they don't create anything. And as you know, the TV was on the other day and I'm looking, I was like, this whole power structure is like the artificial intelligence. It's on the digital. It's like the digital world. The television wants to come out into the physical. All yeah. we need to do mm -hmm. is you shut off the TVs and coronavirus goes away immediately and all the other nonsense, right? We just, we start yeah. connecting with our neighbors. It's just done, you know? And so it is a really powerless system, but it's powerful when we let it infect our consciousness. And so it's mm -hmm. up to the individual uh, soul to reclaim it and to begin to use your will and your consciousness and your spirit to realign with that greater intelligence. And, you know, like we said before, there's infinite paths to the way home towards coherence, towards energy. You don't need a guru. You don't need um, anything. I think that you just need that willingness, right? That the mm -hmm. being, you know, show me the way, whatever way that you've taught or that you've resonated with or whatever, um, they're going to be led to a greater and greater truth. And as you expand your electromagnetic field in the body, you'll be given more information. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's probably other weird things going on that they, you know, positive beings or uh, other mysteries of the universe could accelerate your process um, when you're open to that. And that's that alignment thing. But fear is their greatest tool. And at that mm -hmm. low energy of fear, you're not going to be open to a greater understanding. And so, you know, as things happen, be aware of them, right? But don't put all your time there. Focus on how can I be a part of the solution? Focus on your adaptation and focus on how you can uh, do anything you can to raise your vibration by connecting with nature. Or how, by, by that, I mean how you feel, right? Mm -hmm. By going for a walk, by doing anything that lights you up, because the more dense you are in the level of fear, the less that can come through. And I feel like that's an important part of the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And you made a, you made a, a good point as well, talking about, um, you know, they, their system can't create anything. They're trying to persuade us to create our own prison, you know, but it has to come through us because they, they can, they can set up the idea. They can set up the plan, but they it can only be manifested through us because the only humanity which is in contact with source is genuinely creative. And, you know, the control structures can't create. They can devise, they can scheme, you know, um, but they can't ultimately create, which makes them, that's their weak spot as well, because they've lost, the, they've lost their contact. They've lost that, you know, they're like psychopathic. They can't constructively create. And so really, the power that they have is through illusion. And that's what they're working on, the power of illusion to get us to believe the illusion. And then we start doing things for them, believing it's, it's for our better good. 
So, but ultimately, you know, if everyone's, if everyone just kind of had this epiphany and woke up from the illusion and we said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not paying my taxes. I'm not going into the system. You know, they'll be screwed. So they need our willing compliance. And that's why it's so deviant because they're trying, they're trying all these schemes through propaganda, through media entertainment to, to, to twist our willing compliance because they need it. And so the more we're aware of this, we can just disconnect our willing compliance and say, well, you know, I want to do it my way through, through you know, my, my way forward. And you can see this, that when you connect with people who are on the same understanding, you're laughing together, you're, you're doing something, you're being creative. And when you see people who are totally into the illusion, they're depressed, they're scared, you know, they feel weak, um, you know, they, they feel there's no future, they're not laughing. Um, so you see, I think there's, this, there's total dissonance. And, and that's important to get out of that illusion into creativity and into manifestation and into joy, you know, and into, into hope and, and faith and trust. Um, so, yes, it may be a rough ride for a while, but through the roughness can be a, a greater awakening because sometimes you need more friction to, to kind of get that spark. You know, you don't always create a, f- a flame without friction. And so for the people who are for those people, again, no judgment whatsoever. Every person comes to their awareness in their own time. You know, everyone has their own internal alarm clock. Not everyone has the alarm clock set for 6.30 in the morning. You know, allow people the time to wake up when their, when their bell goes off. But maybe the friction will, will speed up that alarm clock. And so let it be, but don't get dragged into the friction. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. And, and it's to me when I really reflected on this, although I don't like it, uh, I see it as necessary because the mm-hmm. system in which we lived when I broke it down is not something that is an alignment with creation and good. You know, when you, when you take down, really look at these systems and understand them, uh, you realize that the intent behind them is not a positive one. And often, you know, our individual lives, we might not be living as cooperative or as coherent or um, to our full potential anyway, right? We're kind of caught in this illusionary system where we're almost spinning the wheels rather than contributing uh, to our own spiritual evolution and to that of our community in a meaningful way based on values, based on truth, based on, um, you know, reality, not then just chasing this illusionary money for a thing so we can get material objects to buy more pleasures, you know, to do all these different things. And so the way that our society is uh, constructed, it, it almost needed to get demolished. And from that demolition and friction, we can look to rebuild it from a brand new framework that is based on values that work for everyone. Um, And it's a massive opportunity. So it's very uncomfortable. It's like if you, um, you know, get a piece of land and there's a house on it, that house is falling apart. You know, you kind of got to tear it down. And in the meantime, it's going to be a little bit stressful, but then you get to build something else new and you get to reimagine it. And the beautiful thing is we get to reimagine this um, as the best of humanity, as the best the world has to offer for the peak of where we are as a civilization. We look and we say, you know what? And, you know, the, the, what do you call it? I don't know. Um, the enemy, let's say on the planet, you know, they don't have that much power. So the second that we just stop participating, you said another thing where they need your compliance. When I studied the law and did the law summit, which I invite people to check out, uh, they need your consent. 
right? And there's all these tricky ways they get you to consent, but the more, you know, they've met, it's like, no, it's all consent based. And when you start to reorient your worldview to understanding and knowing that fully, uh, like my dad can't understand that, right? I've tried to explain him in so many different ways, but he is under the conditioning that, oh, well, they'll get you. The boogeyman mm-hmm. will get you. You know what I mean? You got to do. And, uh, you know, from all these experts, like, no, 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 they need your consent for sure. Um, and it takes a bit of understanding. So it's exciting. I think that once we just address that and understand what this influence is, that doesn't have our uh, best interest at heart, we get to reimagine a world based on the best of who and what we are. And when we synergize and sync up with that, it's not going to take generations to build. We're going to be able to do it quickly. We're going to be able to do really incredible things fast and correct uh, the trajectory we, we are on because we're going to kind of be letting go of these anchors that were steering us in a way that wasn't conducive or beneficial for uh, any of our evolution. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I mean, the last word you said, evolution, is spot on because you know we're part of an evolutionary process and evolution is an open system you know it's always expanding further and further and you know part of my i mean and now that i look back at my background when i did complex systems i realized that that's a great analogy to to think of that because complex systems there's so much energy building into a system it gets to a point where it needs to either break through or break down at that point it needs more energy in order to break through and then expand the complex system. If it doesn't get that, then it breaks down. Now, kind of positive evolution is always that breakthrough, moving on, expanding, you know, and then learning more, expanding your perception. It's an evolving system. Whereas what's happening, I think, in the world today and the the other powers, the powers that be are devolving powers. Their only energy they, they understand is the energy of entropy. Because, because they've cut themselves off from source and they're detached, they don't, they're not fed by, the, by the, the kind of evolving energy. So they see it as entropic. And therefore, they probably feel that everything's going to break down. You know, they see the systems breaking down. They know that they have to contain their systems. They're panicking. So this containment, they're trying to just maintain a closed system. And that's why we have all this paradigm that, you know, death is the end. There's no more than this life. It's a closed system. Closed system is fear. They contain the system. They're happy. They're in control. But the greater reality, the greater picture is that we're going through a breakthrough moment. Don't, you know, don't be fooled into believing their containment strategy. No, we're using this energy of disruption to feed the breakthrough because all breakthrough needs more chaotic energy to move it forward. You know, so that's where we're moving to. But we've been fooled into believing it's a breakdown containment strategy, but it's not. And so when we can perceive the bigger picture and realize what we're a part of, it, it, you know, it's like a breath of fresh air. You have hope. You breathe deeply. It's like, whoa, you know, I'm not screwed. I'm not going to believe them. There is an evolving system I'm a part of. It's a part of cosmos. I'm a part of greater intelligence. I'm a part of source. I'm not going to die. My body will die, but I'm not going to die. You know, I'm not going to go into fear. Let's go for it. There's so much more in front of me. Life opens up. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And 
you know, even uh, from a like we are we are going to die, but I do believe we're infinite. So that's one thing that people need to grasp. The other thing is, you know, when I would teach snowboarding, for example, if you're going to do a backflip, if you visualize it and intend and, and and create powerful belief systems on being able to land it and evolve, you're going to increase your probability. You're you're not going to land it 100 percent, but the probability mm-hmm. is is greatly increased. So with this idea of looking at all these things that could break down, just that fundamental worldview and belief that I. I am uh, protected by the creator in creation. I am in alignment with life force. I will be taken care of and find a solution to mm-hmm. live that. And to be able to step in that is incredibly powerful. Maybe you don't succeed, right? And this is me like teaching the backflip, but every time I've taught mm-hmm. one, they either land or they come close. They, they are mm-hmm. not hurt. They're not, the, they don't die. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's stepping into that energy. And then the more you're able to do that. And that's why it, I have faith in this because I've seen it work in my own life by taking these gigantic leaps of faith that anybody who's logical minded or even, even tends towards my, a little bit of a risky behavior would never do, you know, because it didn't make sense financially. There was no certainty whatsoever. But as I learned through my life, the is always, there's always going to be something. I'm always going to be led. I'm not going to be stranded. You know, I'm always going to be supported and there might be times of challenge and it might not be true every single time, but on the other side of that challenge is still support. You know what I mean? And it's a much more empowering belief system rather than say, Oh, I'm screwed. And I got to hold on to the system with all my life and, and get dragged down by it rather than saying, where's the opportunity for my adaptation towards something better, more cooperative and upgraded. And when we have that view we're going to be led to those solutions. But if we close it down, we're going to kind of get dragged and demolished with this system and it will be a much more uncomfortable experience. Yeah, we will, we will make it more comfortable for us. And then we blame other people. We blame the system, you know, because ultimately we don't know what we need to learn. If we knew what we need to learn, then, you know, we could map it all out, but we don't ultimately know. So, so we may have an experience which you find that we feel is negative or that, you know, that wasn't so good, I failed or it hurt me or I broke a bone or something. But that could be an experience that you needed to learn to get to where you need to go. So, you know, we can't close ourselves off too early because if we do, we just end up chasing our tails. Um, So we have to be open, we have to allow, and by allowing each moment, each experience, you know, reflecting on the experience. Okay, I learned from that. I, I made a fool of myself on that one, won't do it again. But, you know, we move forward. Every time we learn, the source is learning through us, you know. The source is learning about all aspects of life. Because, you know, the great phrase says that, you know, I was a hidden treasure and I wanted to be known. It want, you know, the source, the energy wants to come through us. It wants to experience through us. And in the process, aspects of itself, i.e. us, can learn as well. We don't know what we're here to learn. So don't close it off at the first misfortune. And, uh, you know, and by that, we, we, we move on and, uh, you know, and life is an incredible learning journey. And, uh, you know, we have to allow it to, to give us what we're here to receive. I love it. I totally agree. You know, this has been a wonderful conversation. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed uh, the entire thing. Is there anything that you wish that I had asked or that you want to cover before we close this out? No, I mean, there's, I mean, I had to enjoy the conversation thoroughly. There's, you know, there's things you could have asked or not, but I know everything's organic. Everything's natural. If, if you were meant to ask it, you would have done. I think we've had a great conversation. There was nothing artificial about it. Love speaking with you. Um, happy just to, to let it be as it is.
Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I enjoyed this as well. You've written a lot of books. Your newest one is now out. Um, you know, where can the audience, if they want to dive a little bit more into your work, where's the best way uh, they can do that? Well, first off, they can probably um, search my name, um, kingsleydennis.com. I have a website. Uh, Kingsley Dennis, there's not many other people, has that, you know, has that name. So you probably find me if you search for me. I have a website, kingsleydennis.com. Um, if you go on there, I have a menu saying writings, and there's a list of essays. I have about something like 80 essays that are on there, all for downloading, for reading, for free. Read them. If you're interested more, go and search my books uh, online. Uh, you can find my books. There's about 15 or 20 books. Um, but, you know, do your homework. What appeals to you? If you want to drop me a line, ask me a question, please do. Uh, you can find all the contacts from the webpage. Um, happy to be in contact and happy for everyone to do their own path, go their own way. And I, I support and salute everyone's individual journey. Awesome. Well, I invite everybody to check out your work and your books. I've enjoyed this podcast. So thanks so much for coming on and uh, we'll see everybody else in the next episode. Okay. Thanks, Matt. My pleasure. My pleasure. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely incredible Kingsley Dennis. I hope that you enjoyed this show. And if you did, please share it as far and as wide as you can on every single social media platform with your friends, with your family, with anyone who would love shows like this or any previous shows. Anything you can do to uh, blog or share or promote the podcast at this time, I would be incredibly grateful that you guys are the only reason that this is still trickling out. So if you're new to the show, please go through the other 500 episodes. Somebody was saying, you know, I love the show and I'm producing a little bit slower now because um, looking at making some big life changes and I had to slow down the podcast a little bit. I'd love to do five a week, but it's just too much work. Uh, plus, it's basically a volunteer gig. Um, but uh, so anyway, I said, well, there's 500 episodes. Start looking at episodes 50 to 100, 150 to 200, two, two to 300. Like there are so many incredible episodes. So start scrolling through there. And uh, if you use the Himalaya app, you can do a playlist. So if you're new to this, check out some of the old episodes. Um, please share this one far and wide. Leave a review if you haven't. It's a great way to support the show. And, um, you know, if you go to mattbelair.com, you can become a member because they deleted uh, Patreon, so you can donate a little bit there. Uh, but any support would be very, very appreciated at this time. And I'm going to keep bringing you the best guests and content that I am capable of as I meander through life doing the best that I can with all of my uh, strengths, but also my weaknesses and flaws, which uh, which definitely exist. So I appreciate you guys uh, very much. If you want to support my sponsor, uh, the uh Jeez, what are they? Pure Body Extra Zeolite. It's an advanced zeolite heavy metal detox. You can get a bottle for just 13 bucks going to thegoodinside.com forward slash Matt B, M-A-T-T-B. And uh, it's a phenomenal product that I use, so check them out. But that's it. Uh, Quantum Heart Hypnosis, Soul Compass, all of that stuff is designed for you to know and live your life purpose. And so if you want tools for that, I definitely have that and would love to support you and uh, in any way that I can. So thanks so much for listening. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Oh, three kind acts. Shoot, I didn't say that. So best way to support the show was to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. And now let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, power, faith, courage, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.